Yeah, but we can't start without some theme music. Hello everybody and welcome to Superheroes for Dummies. This is episode two of our ongoing mission to learn about superheroes and comic books. I am your super dummy, Paul Mack, and as ever, I am joined by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi, everybody. And of course, Steve. Hello, Steve. Greetings, citizens. (laughs) Thank you for that. So today's episode... We are learning about the web slinger himself. It is, of course, Spider-Man. Um, so as we did last time, I thought maybe we would jump to both of you, see sort of what your history with Spider-Man is, your first memories, impressions, that sort of thing. Um, Dan, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, cool. Um, mine is sort of similar to what we discussed with like Batman, but it's more along the lines of, again, Saturday morning TV. Uh, with uh, the animated series, which I absolutely loved. Um, And then it pretty much... Actually, no, because I think I watched, like, the... I I think it was, like, either 60s or 70s uh, live-action TV show of uh, Spider-Man. I don't remember much of it, because I was only a little tyke at the time. Um, (laughs) But... um, yeah, so like I watched that, and then obviously along came the movies with I was about to say Jerry Maguire, <laughs> Toby <laughs> Maguire. <laughs> show me the show me the webbing, show me the webbing. Yeah, show me the webbies. I love super villains. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and then all like the video games and stuff came along and and stuff like that. Um, I think I was partial to like the old comics, but they weren't mine, so I didn't really have any Spider-Man comics. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I think I because I think as a child I was always into like uh, Spider-Man, not Spider-Man, uh, Batman and like Superman and yeah. like the X-Men yeah. and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I didn't really have that much as opposed on, uh, what do you call it, uh, Spider-Man. So, yeah, I, 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 have a, I have a good working knowledge of Spider-Man. So it'll be very interesting of how today goes. Oh, interesting. Okay. So how about yourself, Steve? Um, again, it's, it's the same comics that I found, discovered Batman in, because those British old issues of the of the 70s and late 60s were reprint comics which told a couple of new stories done by british creators and they'd reprint a spider-man story and they'd reprint a batman story and batman stories obviously were more towards more geared to like the the whole adam west era as we discussed but the good thing about that is the spidey stories because they were for a similar audience um were reprinting all the original Stan Lee, Steve Ditko stuff, so the very earliest Spider-Man stories. So literally, I was reading stuff quite early on, like when he was still a teenager, and um, when he was still at school, and he'd get zits, and he'd suffer from allergies, and he still <laughs> had to find supervillains and stuff as well. So whereas Batman ended up becoming like the dark hero, like the the 
shock and awe and gritty comic that I loved. Spidey was like more my age and he was the adventure and the fun. So I was getting this brilliant like stereo effect of two completely different characters, but their similarities far outweighed their differences because Spidey, Mm. when he first got his powers, just wanted to show off and be a wrestler and do stunts for money and be on TV. And it's only because of the death of his uncle Ben, which he could have prevented that he decided to know with great power comes great responsibility I'm going to be a hero. And that isn't a million miles away from Bruce Wayne wanting to avenge his parents. But Spidey had that added crux that he was partly responsible for his uncle's death. And that, to me, again, as a teenager myself, Spidey was the character I grew up with, along with Robin, along with Dick Grayson. Whereas Batman was like that pedestal, that guy, that with enough money, with enough training, you could be him, but he was still that next level up so spidey yeah i love him then again just like you said dan i'm so glad you brought it up man spider-man mm. spider-man does whatever the spider can <laughs> arguably still the best theme music of any cartoon series ever i would defy yeah. anyone to argue with that um then of course like you said the nicholas hammond series of the late 70s early 80s and did you know that nicholas hammond who played spider-man in that show was one of the one trap children in um sound of music <laughs> There's a useless piece of information which you'll never use again. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, then Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and the amazing, brilliant, spot-on perfect Tom Holland. Um, So yeah, Spidey is almost a bigger part of my life as Batman. He's my second favourite comics character, um, and I love him. What what about you, Paulie Mac? What's your experience with our friendly neighbourhood web swinger? (laughs) Well, he's one of those, he he was always around. I've always been aware of him. I saw some of the animated TV shows. Um, obviously, the video games were always around. I just played bits and pieces of them. Um, but again, it was just sort of maybe because of my peer group, I saw bits and pieces and this and that and the other, but I was never sort of fully immersed into it. Um, weirdly, I haven't even seen all the latest movies yet. I don't know how, but they, I know he's pulling a face at me. Shock um, horror. <laughs> I know it is something I need to rectify, but yeah, as of today, I still haven't seen them all. I apologise to everybody listening. Um, well, Steve, I think uh, we need to rectify that. Um, well, honestly, skip Spider-Man 3, the last Tobey Maguire film, because just skip it. Um, <laughs> the first Andrew Garfield one's brilliant. The second one isn't anywhere near as bad as people made out. But Tom Holland, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have seen Far From Home. And that was a very good film. Um, I very much enjoyed that. That's the le- that's the newest one. That is. Yeah. I managed to miss all the ones in between. I there was only really <laughs> one on his own. His only other appearances were um, obviously Civil War. Um, so, yeah, just watch the first one. And Infinity War and obviously Endgame. Endgame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, do try because it's particularly Tom Holland, but the two hundred Garfield ones are decent, especially the first one. But Toby Maguire, don't don't bother with number three. Do not bother. I will skip that one. Mm. Anyway, you were saying sorry. We were after the shock horror. Please, please, people, we <laughs> dive in and jump down your throat for not seeing the Spider Man. No, not like, at all. I know it's understandable. No, well, some sometimes they're nice to me, um, but no, absolutely. So it's. I thought I'd do the same that I did last time um, where I kind of 
do a quick fire some of the things that I knew. Now, with the last episode, I said some of the things I think I know. Immediately now, I'm going to say some of the things I thought I knew. Because even with the questions that have come in, I'm questioning every single thing I know about Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> so let's go through the list. Created by Stan Lee. Maybe. We'll return to that. There's a question on that one. And um, we'll discuss that in depth on episode three <laughs> with my buddy Matt Lloyd, who is, if you think that I'm a wonder nerd, he's the one guy that proves there's something Oh, actually, it's quite a lot. I don't know anything about, and I can't wait till you guys talk to him, top man. Yeah, yeah we'll find out a little bit more about that next week. Up. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so we won't touch too much on that one because, um, yeah, next week we'll get into that a lot. Um, so, name Peter Parker. We'll return to that one. Uh, bitten by a radioactive spire, uh, spider, excuse me, um, gained extra agility, height, and senses, the ability to cling to walls and ceilings because of the way his hair changed. From the um, from the spider bite, through his scientific knowledge, he then creates the device that helps him uh, sling webs. Another thing we will return to. Um, initially, he didn't want to fight crime, but he did then turn to this after he ignored a criminal who later went on to kill his uncle Ben. We will return to that as well. Um, and then it was only that then he decided he should use his powers for good. Now that wasn't a lot. But I'm pretty sure there's already question marks all over that. So, as you say, we are going to return to the Stanley bit um, in the next episode. So everyone should jump in on that one. Um, but Dan, I know you wanted to jump in on the um, on the web shooters and whether or not they were created by him or not. Um, wait, I don't think it was so much if it was created by him or not, because I believe like there, there were a few takes on Spider-Man where his webs actually come out from his wrists so there are a few that happen like that but in the majority of uh i think like comic books films tv tv series he actually made his own uh web shooters so you know it's like which one's the which one's the true the true method the, is it coming from his wrists or is it coming from his web uh, web shooters which is it? I mean, I'm inclined to think it's the web shoes, but I'm sure uh, our nerd Yoda will let us know what it is. But obviously, yeah, tell us a bit more about your like experience with Spider-Man as well. Do you think there's anything Paul missed out, or did you have anything to add to his knowledge? Mm, no, no, because from like I said, from everything that I know, like I said, he was like the typical high school uh, high school teenager. Um who went on a field trip and was bitten by a radioactive uh, spider. Um, and in, in, a, in a weird way, it, it sounds like some, he's like he's going through puberty, he's growing hair where he shouldn't be growing hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I went there. Um, and uh, his body went through some changes and, you know, he's able to... The whole oh, thing is just going to be a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a whole load of oh, double entendres. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, so upon discovering like his powers, um, he then meets... Well, I think he, he already knew her like pre-powers, but um, uh, MJ, Mary Jane, 
Um, and he wanted to, yes. And uh, he wanted to impress her by getting a new car, but he didn't have the money. Um, and he stumbled across an article, uh, not an article, an adver- advertisement to enter a, a wrestling tournament. Um, and he, well, no, well, undoubtedly won because he, you know, used his powers. Um, and then it came to the part where he was supposed to, like, collect the pot for the tournament. And basically the guy stiffed him. Um, and then he was going to get changed. And then he had, like, a commotion. And there was a, a robber running down the hall. And the, the owner said, you know, stop that guy. And he, you know, had two choices. Like, one, I could just stop him and probably get, get the money that I'm owed. Or two, I can stick it to the tournament uh, organization organizer and you know let him go and to which he let him go which unfortunately led to the untimely demise of his uncle ben um and then which actually led him on to become our friendly neighborhood spider-man in a nutshell yeah that's more or less um that's that's basically what what the the first Tobey Maguire movie told us, which was loosely adapted from the original. I mean, the things that are right is yes, he did become like a, did do wrestling, and he but he also became like a TV star. He did his own TV series and stuff in the comics, and he literally just used his powers to, for fame to get money. And but a similar situation happened where he let someone go, and that someone ended up killing his uncle, and that's when he learned to be a hero. So yeah, the most of that is spot on accurate. But obviously, the movies, the TV shows, they always do stuff to tweak and twist and dramatize and this that and the other but that's basically the long and short of it yeah absolutely yeah, I, I believe the uh animated series uh went down that direction as well didn't it um the 60s tv series with the great theme music didn't do much it was literally just adventures every week it didn't really go down any psychological and i didn't see much of the 80s or 90s um cartoons yeah. apart from the brilliant mtv like cgi one i enjoyed that um, but mm-hmm. mainly Spider-Man on TV for me was the Nicholas Hammond series. The, the comics were the were the main go-to. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, I mean yeah, I think the the fact that he builds his own uh, web singers, I think, are uh, that probably ring true. I think there's only like the 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 minor the minority of uh, interpretations of Spider-Man where the webs. Came, came from his wrists because I think in other movie that I've seen I think it was like the first Spider-Man movie it came out of his wrists but everything else uh, it was his web shooters oh, cool. I wonder why just for that one they decided to change it was it all up. three it was all oh. three of the um, the uh, Sam Raimi ones oh, all I the Tobey Maguire ones the first yeah, set of right. Spider-Man movies but, um, we, what's your history with the web shooters then, Paul? I mean, is that how you've always known Spider-Man? Well, I've always known that he built them. Um, even though, even though I did watch the first of the Maguire films, that bit somehow passed me by, and I must have just been ignoring that bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as I'm aware, he always built them. But like Dan, I was aware that there was a little bit of confusion over it. Um, but no, I'm glad we can clear that up. There was an addition I had to that. Because I mentioned that he um, gained the ability to climb walls and cling onto the ceiling, and etc. Why did he then wear a suit? It covers his hands. What's going on there? <laughs> right. There's a couple of ways of explaining it. Now, 
the reason there was a couple of reasons why Sam Raimi decided to go with the organic webs as opposed to the web shooters. The first was he didn't believe that a teenage kid at a normal high school could possibly a afford to build machinery or create a chemical reaction that complex as have web shooters in the first place and b it had always bugged him and i'll admit it bugged the hell out of me is how come this guy's got the pun. all these spider powers <laughs> oh yeah exactly it spidered the hell out of me um he's got all these spider <laughs> powers but he can't spin webs um that's like what that's like a bit odd but over the course of decades um i mean you guys probably know not all spider spin webs Hunting yeah. spiders, crab spiders, wolf spiders, they literally pounce, bite, and kill their prey that way. So not all spiders do spin webs. And clearly the spider that bit Spider-Man possibly wasn't a web-spinning spider. Or the fact that it didn't bite him for long enough, so any parts of his trans- powers transferred to him, or lots of other reasons. I mean, different origins over the years have stated that it wasn't the radioactive spider that gave him the powers in the first place. Um, the radioactivity just killed that spider. That spider bit him for a reason, and that comes clear in all the multiple Earth um, multiverse-like Spider-Verse stories, which the movie loosely adapts. Where Spider-Man is a guardian of this universe. He's one of like a, a cadre of spider heroes that's meant to protect the Earth and all the multiple Earths against a creature called Morlan, who's like a space vampire. And they literally, their purpose in life is to hunt down and kill these spiders so they can take over worlds and universes. Um, so literally, that spider bit him to give him the powers to put him on the road to becoming the spider hero for this Earth. And this Earth... Oh, I say this Earth. This is where things are going to blow your minds again, boys. <laughs> Not um, again. If, if they thought that um, the DC multiverse was complicated, Marvel decided to go down that route as well. And I think they cocked it up even more, but that's my opinion. Um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man we know and love, is from Earth 616. Right. Um, yes, that's a fact. I'm not making it up, but that's the truth. Spider-Man we know and love, Peter Parker is from Earth 616. But anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, Sam Raimi, the director, decided, kid can't build that stuff. Let's just give him organic webs. Boom. And to many, it made sense. Tyler thought, hang on, you're shitting all over 30 years of history. Why are you doing that? So, but like with anything in the movies, example, case in point, um, in the comics, Batman never really wore body armor. It was under his costume. The badge was a bright yellow symbol on purpose so that people had a target to shoot at and not shoot him in the head. They saw, oh, bright yellow symbol. Let's do that because I can see it. That's the reason. But the whole body armor, plating, all that stuff was... Tim Burton's 1989 Batman movie. But the comics adapted it because that's what cinema-going audiences, TV audiences were used to, so they adopted it. Same with Spider-Man. He got organic webbing, so the comics decided to do a story called The Other, where Spidey basically dies, a cocoon forms around him, and he's reborn with all the spider powers, including the ability to organically shoot webs. But then that was all retconned and he went back to using the web shooters because a they were cooler it's more of a plot device because oh shit i'm out of webs i'm gonna fall and die um it just gives lots more depth to the character so there's lots of arguments for and against but for me i like the web shooters he's always had them and thinking over it too much the kid's a genius in all the other interpretations of spider-man peter parker's just a genius he found a way of making it i can live with that it makes more sense than him having glands in his body that produce webs Ew, 
uh, Mary Jane. Um, <laughs> that's not the only sticky white substance you're going to be dealing with, love. I mean, but let's come off that too much. subject. Yeah. It's funny you should <laughs> say that. There's. Different. It's funny you should say that. I think there's like a um, a, a Family Guy episode, and you know they do all like the, the cut scenes, and they and they finally enough did one with Spider Man, and he sat at, at the edge of the bed. And there's a woman laid on the bed, and there's just one big web, like covering her. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god, that never usually happens. I am so sorry." <laughs> and she's there, she, she's there picking the webs off of it. Goes, "No, it's okay, it's okay. It happens to everyone." <laughs> it just cuts. Wow. Yep, I, I knew that would come eventually. Oh god, I can't believe oh. I said that. That was accidental. <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> One for the blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving on slightly, um, mm-hmm. you mentioned there the the Spidey Verse, um, and of course I said about Peter Parker, but of course that's you know that's not the B end B whatever that phrase is. Um, we've had a question come up about Miles Morales, um, which just <laughs> just made me put giant question marks over everything. Um, so, shall we get into a bit about how this is the next superhero who is actually multiple people? Um, Dan, do you want to start us off there? Um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like, because I think Spider Man is probably one of the only uh comic book characters that has their own universe. I mean, you got like, uh, like DC has all like the like Earth One and this sort of thing but then with marvel you know they, they they're all in they're all supposedly in one universe the the marvel other cinematic universe or whatever thingy universe um but then you've got the spideyverse where there's like i don't know an unlimited number of of, of spider people um <laughs> And I mean, I don't, I don't, and you can jump in at any minute, Steve. But I don't know how true it's like. So you you have uh, a, uh, not a Spider-Man, but it's Gwen Stacy who become who takes up the mantle. There's Miles Morales. There's I don't know again. I don't know how, but you have um, is it Spider Pig or something like that? If you've seen that, um, Peter Porker, the spectacular Peter Porker. <laughs> That's it, Peter Porker, <laughs> which is just an amazing name. Um, so yeah, there's just there's just there's just so many, and I, I just love it. Um, it's not just Spidey though; it is multiple Earths, and there are multiple heroes from those Earths as well. But we only see the Spider-Man ones because Spider-Man is like a universal protector. And like I said, all those other Earths in one Earth, Gwen Stacy got the spider powers. On other Earth, Aunt May got the spider powers, and so on and so forth, and this, that, and the other. But in most of them, it's Peter Parker or a variation thereof. Um, there's even a British one um, who's like a punk Spider-Man from the 70s. He dresses like the Sex Pistols, except he's got the Spider-Man mask, but with spikes on his head and all manner of Love weird it. and wonderful witness. But they're all multiple Earth Spider-Men. But there are Spider-Man from Earth 616, present and future, who also count as Spider-Men. And that's where things really get complicated. And bring forth Miles Morales. Eggs. Well, Miles Morales. Okay. Um, <laughs> Marvel decided at one point that people were getting confused. The fact that 
and this will come up with the Aunt May question. Now, he'd been around since the 60s, but he'd only aged like five years. And we, we had that thing when we mentioned Dick Grayson last week. And yeah. Spider-Man and Dick Grayson are the only two teenage characters, possibly Rick Jones, but you know who he is, so I'll shut up. Um, Spider-Man and Dick Grayson are probably the only two characters that have actually aged marginally in the 80 years Dick Grayson's been around and the 60-odd years Spider-Man's been but obviously, if he was a teenager in the 60s, how could he still possibly be just 20-ish now? So they decided to launch a separate universe called the Ultimate Universe. Now, for me, a lot of the Ultimate Universe is much better than the main Marvel Universe. For example, a group of heroes called the Ultimates, which is literally the Ultimate Universe version of the Avengers. Now, believe it or not, all the Marvel movies... Are much closely, much more closely related and adapted from the Ultimates comics and the Marvel Ultimate Universe than the Marvel Universe for obvious reasons. More up to date, more now, slightly more believable with today's technology, political climate, etc., etc. But also for me, at least as an aged fan, losing a lot of its charm because a lot of those 60s stories are awesome because they're 60s stories and the way they talk and everything else that goes with it but the ultimate universe literally saw spider-man die at the hands of the green goblin and one of the witnesses to that crime was a young kid um black hispanic kid called miles morales and he gains powers in a similar way being bitten by an oscorp spider and he decided to take up the mantle of the fallen hero and that's loosely adapted in the into the Spider-Verse movie. And that's where Miles came from. And he is a fantastic character. He's brilliant. Not just in terms of the whole world's gone stupid saying, oh, he's just a pretty correct guy. They've just added him so that, you know, to have more different racial faces in, in comics and stuff. Um, sorry, bollocks. He literally was part of a completely different universe and he became a hero for the right reasons to avenge his fallen idol. And okay, so, you know, He's not Peter Parker, but he's proven himself over the years to be every bit the hero. But he was a reluctant hero. He was almost doing this out of a sense of obligation, but he becomes a hero willingly and through passion of life over the intervening years. And for me, he's, um, and this is from a huge Peter Parker nerd. I, you know, Spider Man after Batman is my favorite character. I love Miles Morales. I think he's an awesome character. And I promise you both, once you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, you'll want to know about, more about him too. But um, he's great, but he's not the only other Spider-Man of this Earth-616 universe either. But I'll go into that once you two give me your thoughts, because you both look at me like, holy shit, what the are <laughs> you telling me, Steve? You've done it to me again, so I'll shut up now. Paul. Well, no, you... I've... I've, um, I've... Funnily enough, I actually managed to see uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I thought it was absolutely amazing. Brilliant, isn't it? Um, absolutely amazing. And like, I, 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 I'd heard about Miles Morales beforehand, because I, because I, I just saw this picture of, of um, a Spider-Man in a black and red suit, but then he has like, he's not, he's not like in normal because he wears a hoodie and he's wearing sh like basketball shorts and he's wearing sneakers and it's like. Oh my god, this is really cool, and I think that really, I think that any but any kid that's probably getting into comics who's like likes their Spider-Man, I think that would resonate with them 
a lot. Um, and like, I didn't actually know like Miles Morales actually has, I think, a couple more power abilities than Peter Parker does because he can turn invisible. Um, and something to do with electricity as well, I believe. He's got camouflage, which again, in nature, some spiders do. So literally, he can vanish into these backgrounds. But he doesn't mm. have spider sense, um, which is something that Peter Parker did have. But he has got, like you said, like venom blasts, which are like more like a, a, a like you said, an electrical discharge. So it's like an energy an energy blast, which is much more similar to Spider Woman, um, who's another Marvel character. She doesn't have all the spider men, but she's got some of her own. And Miles is down that route as well. But some of the other Spider-Men um, have those different abilities to Peter Parker as well. Again, depending on, some would say, which spider bit them, how much of the powers they transferred, etc., etc., etc. Well, again, my mind blown. Um, I, I didn't know anything about Miles Morales up until this point. Um, well, we're only on episode two, and I don't think you're going to have any brains to spare by no. the time we get to like te- ten episodes or anything like that. You no, might I just, don't uh, think recycle so. them. Yeah, I think you might have to put me in the cupboard and get someone else after that point. Um, give me time to recharge, and then we'll get someone yeah. else out. I think that'll have to be yeah. the uh, the way to go forward. Um, I didn't even know that Peter Parker died, so there you go. That's just my childhood ruin. That's in Thanks. the ultimate. That's in the ultimate universe, not in not in the six one six universe. Um, but again, there was this whole cataclysmic multiverse crisis, and the ultimate universe was absorbed into the six one six universe. So Mars Morales is now on our Earth. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, and relax. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> this is the thing you start digging away, and. Um... You just uncover so much more. Um, but we did have a question. Um, as I say, this was my first introduction of Miles Morales when the question came in, um, asking who is the better Spider-Man? Now, Steve, you have said Peter Parker. He has a place in your heart, but you also do love Miles Morales. Miles, um, just like Danny brilliantly put, or bring in a whole new audience, A, of younger kids, and B, that wonderful thing of being able to look up into a screen or to open the comic book and see a character that looks like you, which is a, yeah. a, a brilliant and important thing. But he's a different character. He's not the same. His parents and both his lied. Parents both he's lied. never had the death of a parent or, or loved one to deal with. So he's a much more innocent and less damaged character. The only death he's really witnessed was Spider-Man's. And of course, in this reality, his hero's back. And while Spider-Man's off doing world-saving things with the Avengers or fighting demons and villains and big, like, earth-shattering threats, good old Miles is the protector of New York. And that just works brilliantly. It's like two Spider-Men working together. And it's a thing of beauty. So obviously I've got more of a soft spot for Peter because he's been there my entire life but yeah. as a new character Mars Morales just rules so I would I slightly prefer Peter but that's because of the longevity of the character but they're both awesome they're both absolutely brilliant. they both deserve the love and adulation they get from, from fans that's that's my take I think they're both great very diplomatic Dan do you have a favourite? Um, I think 
I'm going to jump in the boat with uh, Steve on this one um, because long and short of it is Peter Parker has been like the main, he's been the front man, the, the poster boy. Um, and, you know, Miles Morales isn't, I wouldn't say isn't that well known yet, but, you know, I think he serves as representation for like, not just African American community, like the black community over here and everywhere else. And, you know, there are going to be people out there who will resonate with him because of, because of his origin story um, and, and stuff like that. So that's I, I absolutely love about uh, Miles Morales and the fact that, he's, you know, not every spider, not every Spider-Man is the same. He has like different abilities and stuff like that. So, you know, like as we go a bit further along in time, like, so, you know, you, you have different trends and, and stuff like that. So when they see somebody like, like Miles Morales, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm in, I'm in awe. So, you know, you're going to have people who who will be uh, on team Morales. But, um, you know, like Steve said, you know, Peter Parker's he's got a special place in everybody's heart, especially, oh, I would I want to say the older generation, but like uh, people like, like you know, <laughs> me and Steve. Um, uh, yeah, so for me, um, I'm, I'm team Parker. It's a bit unfair, though, because Spider-Man, Peter Parker's been around since 1962, so he's eight years older than I am, but he's still in his 20s. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> we can all but hope. Like, I was going to say earlier, he's like, he's, he must be best friends with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> with Grayson. Taking the same meds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Age-reversing meds. <laughs> and they just I'm... run out after 80 years. <laughs> So you mentioned there about Peter Parker being more sort of in people's mind's eye. And we had a question here from James Stone. How long do you think we'll have to wait for a live action Miles Morales? Um, Yeah, absolutely. Just by what you guys have been saying, as you said, Dan, it it would bring a whole whole new load of people in. Mm. I can't wait. Yeah. The sooner the better. Yeah. I mean, I I, I would be incredibly surprised if they didn't because you know you've got like a whole line of new movies coming out probably within the next two to three years i mean you've got the new uh, four movie coming out uh you've got i think black panther the new black panther um and i think i don't know if it's rumor or it's actually happening but she hulk um i love that yeah yeah, a new She-Hulk movie. So, you know, um, I would absolutely love to see um, a new Spider-Man movie with Miles Morales because the guy that plays Miles Morales in the... And I don't know if you've seen it. Like, there's, there's trailers out already for the new Spider-Man game, which is actually called Spider-Man Miles Morales. So he's got his own video game. Um, but the guy that plays him, uh, I think his name is Naji Jetta, if I've pronounced that right. And if you're listening, by any chance, I'm sorry if I pronounced <laughs> your name wrong. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's an absolutely amazing actor. So he, he, was in, he was in this and he was in uh, the movies Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. Um, so if this, yeah, like I said, if this doesn't happen, 
I will be incredibly surprised and maybe just a little bit sad too. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to happen sooner rather than later. But here, here's another piece of useless trivia to file away in your memory banks. Brian Michael Bendis, who created the Miles Morales character, actually, he wrote all of the Ultimate Spider Man stuff, based Miles Morales on, believe it or not, Donald Glover, who appeared in an American sitcom dressed in a Spider Man costume. And Bendis looked at him and said, Damn, that looks cool. I want to create another Spider Man. And lo and behold, decades later, this new Spider Man is getting to be as beloved uh, as the original and obviously Donald Glover's way too old now but he makes a meme Lando Calrissian um so it has happened sooner or later I'm hoping within the next few years because the character deserves it um the audience deserve it and as long as this is the thing people are saying there should only be one Spider-Man I think bullshit um sorry but Spidey can be away doing his world saving Miles can look after New York, um, which is a pretty busy city, and there's room enough for two of them, and they're vastly different. They can tell completely different stories. So, yeah, I'm hoping sooner rather than later. Is that time? I don't know. Like, sadly, I don't uh, work in Hollywood yet, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. have any power there. So, um, James, mate, I'm with you, brother. James is another top guy, um, brilliant writer, reviewer, and Spawn question. Cheers, brother. Um, so we mentioned age, um, and we did have a question in regards to this and the the kooky way ages are done. Um, but in regards to Auntie May, the question is: How old is Auntie May? She's gone from being a near deaf, frail, geriatric old lady to a kick-ass she woman. She certainly has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, What's going on there? Danny, what's your knowledge of Aunt May, mate? And how do you see the lady? How? I've seen her not... Probably, I wouldn't say old, frail woman. um, But definitely an old woman. um, Because she's certainly that way in the Amazing Spider-Man animated series. Um, But actually, actually, know what? I rephrase... She was old and frail and probably, you know, knocking on uh, Heaven's door um, in the Tobey Maguire take because she was vastly old. Um, But then in the Andrew Garfield one, she wasn't she wasn't, you know, knocking on death's door. She was she was still old, but not that old, because I think it was Sally Field who was um, in that take. And then along comes Tom Holland, and boom, she's like, yummy. She's like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it made me giggle when you know Tony Stark starts, you know, talking about her in front of in front of uh, Peter it's Parker. It's so good. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, with all that dry wit, it was absolutely amazing. But um. Yeah, from from what I know, yeah, she's she's taken care of him her whole life. But yeah, I've always seen her as an as an old lady. What about you, Paul? What about you? Uh, I have to say, I don't, I don't really have much knowledge. Um, yeah, probably the the latest would be the Tony Stark thing, um, and that's kind of kind of a scene that's burned into your mind, and you can't really get rid of it. But I think that's the only one that I can remember. Oh, yeah. 
Well, if you think she's varied and aged a lot over the movies, the comics. Wow. I mean, but, but let's think about the life this woman's had. She was, as far as I can tell, looking at the drawings by Steve Ditko, she must have been in her late 60s, early 70s when she was first created. And she loses her husband. Over the years, she doesn't age at all. She remains late 60s, mid 70s. Uh, but then she um, has a relationship with <clears throat> Dr. Octopus. Um, that obviously doesn't work out for many of you. Not really, no. <laughs> but she does um, then uh, fall in love with a guy called Nathan Lubinsky, who sadly dies just after their engagement. Um, uh, and she um, survives that. But she ends up, and this, this is the, the, the bit that lots of fans just thought was hilarious. She ends up marrying... John Jonah Jamison's dad. No <laughs> um, so, you know, which is great because it's, it's hilarious to know because obviously JJJ has always been like Spider-Man's most vocal antagonist and oh, web menace, this, that, and the other. But his dad's a Spider-Man fan. So you get that whole dynamic thrown in as well. But in all this time, um, May just like never aged, even though Peter did a little bit. He went from like, 15 to about 24 ish, I'd say he might be now, but may just never age. In fact, she started to do the opposite. She started to like slightly age in reverse. And again, Michael Bendis, by Michael Bendis, who, who did the ultimate uh, Spider Man comics, because he's a brand new universe set today and now, decided to make Art May hip, cool, and happening, and decided to base her on his own mum. So the art may we see in the Ultimate Universe comics is actually the writer's mother. And she is wicked. She's like one of these people. I wouldn't put her much older than six, seven years older than me, so mid to late 50s. But she's got an attitude. She's sarky. She's smart. She's a lot more like Marissa Tomei is in the new Tom Holland movies. And not quite as sexy, but again, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's a lot more where they've got the current Aunt May from. Um, so explanations? There ain't none. <laughs> um, she's just been old forever. I mean, at one point they killed her off. She actually died. But it turned out, and this is like something out of Dallas, and this is the, the kind of era where I started to lose it with Spider-Man comics, where it wasn't actually her. It was an actress who was made to look like her, who was taking her place to mess with Spider-Man at Green Goblin's behest. But the real Aunt May was in captivity and was fine. And when they did save her, she'd been rested and recuperated and looked after by the person who kidnapped her. So she did look a little bit younger and less frail, but... Oh, yeah, that, that old chestnut. So, um, yeah, absolutely there's no answer amazing. to her age. Yeah, but again, that's <laughs> that's comic books for you. That's that's comic books for you all over. <laughs> but I, I would love, I would love to see like a, a Dallas styled uh, uh, adventure of, of Spider-Man, where it's like who killed Aunt May. <laughs> they did even worse Dallas stuff to Spider-Man, which is when I completely lost it. But we, we, I don't know if we'll get into that. <laughs> because, yeah, there was a period when I just totally went off Spider-Man comics, stopped reading them, and then was dragged back in by, by a big storyline. But um, that was one of the reasons, one of the, the, the stories that I thought, oh, 
God, blimey. Seriously. This should be on ABC, not in Marvel Comics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe she discovered time travel. I don't know. Maybe she ran into Morbius or or something. Who knows how she's managed to, you know, go backwards and forwards in age so often. Thank you to uh, Chaotic Comics and Crafts for that question, who I think possibly knew the trouble they were getting us into on that one and turning us in circles answering it. Definitely. Um, so we've we've touched on Auntie May. Um, there is a question about Uncle Ben from Max Byrne. There was another one about Uncle Ben, which I didn't include because, no, he's got nothing to do with rice. So shut up, you silly person. Do you okay. know what? I was actually going to make a joke. It's like, oh, my God, Uncle Ben's Was it you? Rice. Did you send that under a different insane. name? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I'm not even going to answer this one. Dope. It was just me in a in a fedora and pencil thin moustache and a monocle. Uh, I thought I recognised that disguise. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Uncle sorry. Ben and his rice. Um, Max would like to know: Did he fake his death? Now I don't know if this is an opportunity to sort of talk more about the event in general and sort of Spider Man's origins. Um, Steve is raising his eyebrows, so maybe Dan, should we go to you first? <laughs> Um, well, this I've never actually heard of. As far as I was concerned, Uncle Ben was killed by a robber, um, and that's pretty much it. I didn't know know he he uh, pulled a two-patch Shakur and uh, <laughs> faked his own death. So... That one's actually true. Yeah, and that... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so... You know, I'm with you on this. I'm in the same boat as Paul on this one. So in this segment of this episode, I'm, I'm the dummy. So uh, I shall hand you over to the, the nerd Yoda. Max, Max, I love you, but no. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, it's because <sighs> that's the whole thing with multiple Earths and uh, galaxy-spanning super sagas. They can really throw potential spanners in the works. Again, uh, one of the multiversal Spider-Men was uh, an Uncle Ben who didn't die and he got the spider powers. So he did make an appearance. But Uncle Ben is one of the few people in comics who stayed dead. And if they did ever decide to bring him back properly, I mean, there's been clones and sagas and fakes and this, that and the other and that old chestnut. But um, no, Uncle Ben, Ben, he's the reason for Spider-Man being Spider-Man. If they brought him back, it would just cheapen the whole mythology, the whole history, the whole power of, of the character. So, no, Max, I love you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there, because otherwise I'll get wound up. But again, Max, um, he's a host of his own show on this network, actually. He does the brilliant, ultimate, uh, essential Marvel and DC. And um, well worth listening to Max, because he's a top, top bloke, brilliant writer, who uh, writes on three websites I write for as well. But um, every now and then... He can be a little bit silly, can Uncle Max. So, but bless him, it's, it's a great question. But no, Max. And <laughs> um, he's bad actually Max. at time of recording. He's just released an episode about the Killing Joke, um, which will tie in quite nicely to our last episode. So people do jump in there and have a listen to that oh, if you haven't yes. already. I mean, I, I know I'll be giving that a good listen. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned Spider Verse. We had a question on that one. Um, has lots of characters. Were they made up for it? 
were they made up for the film? Into and the Spider Verse, that that's is. a great question because we have to remember that not everyone's a completely anal comics nerd like me. Um, there are people who've only seen the movies, the cartoons, and the TV shows. So um, they're quite right to ask that question. But no, um, the vast majority of the characters in that film were in the Spider-Verse crossovers in the comics, including Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Man. That's a universe where animals gain sentience, all animals, all mammals, birds, whatever, not just apes and primates. So there's uh, Captain America, um, a Hulk bunny, and several other weird and wonderful characters roaming around that universe. But Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man, Miles Morales, um, Spider-Man Noir, who's my favourite, who's like, yeah. what if Spider-Man had got his powers in the pulp era um, during the crime and street and uh, the mafia and all that sort of stuff? And it's just awesome, brilliant. Spider-Man Noir comics, I love them. And it's great that they've got all those what-if and parallel storylines and made them real by just making them a, a protector of that kind of universe, that spider protector that protects his own homeworld. So, um, yeah, great question. But no, no, those characters do all appear in the comics. They're all real characters, Spider-Gwen included, where she didn't die in that universe. She got the powers instead of Peter. Um, yeah, all real characters. They've all come from the comics and well worth reading about if you can track those stories down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Hi, my name's Steve. And I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. 
It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. So I wanted to backtrack a bit because we're, we're doing quite well on the questions. We're getting through them quite quickly. Um, so uh, it was actually my wife, Amanda, who asked, um, who asked me exactly sort of. Amanda the... Absolutely. Um, she asked, what happened to Spider? Where did the spider come from? And I think this is something that a lot of us kind of don't know about. All we know is Spider came, bit him, done. Um, now, you mentioned there that Mars Morales earlier um, he was bitten by another spider of the same type. Um, I was wondering if between a lot of us, we can try and pick apart exactly what was going on there. Why there's so many radioactive spiders just wandering around. She did also pose a question, which we possibly don't have to answer in that. Why was it a spider and not a kangaroo? And why don't we have Kangaman? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So we didn't necessarily have to answer that one. So bitten by a radioactive kangaroo. <laughs> and then we went into what powers he would have. But we don't have to go there. I'll tell um, you the secret origin of Wombat Man, a character of my creation at another time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Dan, what do you make of that question, mate? Um, okay, so from, from my understanding, uh, you're, you're an all right now, aren't you, Steve? <laughs> Kangaman uh, really got me. Kangaman. I'm, I'm hopping mad about that question. <laughs> wow. It's got me okay. bouncing off the walls. No, stop it. Oh, Dan, no. please shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> He's here all night, folks. Um, I want to stick Amanda in my pouch after a question like that. No, stop me. Stop <laughs> me, Dan. Bad, Steve. Very bad, Steve. Now go and sit in the corner and you think about what you did. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay moving swiftly on um from my understandings about the spiders and again this is just based based off what i've seen and what i've heard that the spiders were actually creations from oscorp um and they were made up of made up of different strains of different spiders. So they all had like these different abilities and so on and so forth. Um, so for Peter Parker, um, 
like I think I said at the beginning, they went on a field trip to Oscorp. Um, and this is in the Tobey Maguire adaptation. Um, he was taking photos of Mary Jane for his for the school paper. And then you could see coming from the ceiling, um, one of those uh, genetically enhanced spiders coming from the ceiling and it bites him on the hand. And I think he managed to flick it away. Um, and I think that obviously the, 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 the spider died. Now he gets home and all of a sudden he's got this fever. He's gone pale. Um, and then he just finally like passes out in his bedroom and then wakes up in the, in the morning. He's, he's totally ripped. He's got a six pack in, and, and he's more agile. He's stronger. And um, he has webs protruding from his wrists. <laughs> um, so that is my understanding of Peter Parker on how he got his um, powers. As for Miles Morales, I've seen two, um, two versions. Uh, the first version, which would be in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where I think he is um, not lurking in the shadows, but he's sitting in the shadows, and I think he's watching Spider-Man and the Kingpin going at it. Um, and then out of nowhere, the spider comes along. No, sorry. No, no, I've got that wrong. I think he was doing um, wall art in, like I think, like a sewer or something like that. Um, and... Uh, I can't remember how, how it comes along, but a spider comes along and bites him. And then as, as it goes on, he discovers that he has his powers like being able to turn invisible. Um, the other version was um, Mary Jane broke in, and this is from the, the, uh, the video games, um, Marvel Spider-Man. Um, Mary Jane was trying to dig some dirt up, I think, on uh, Norman Osborn. Uh, and he, she discovers this secret lab, and it had the spiders in it. And then one of the spiders manages to go on a coat, but she doesn't notice. And she goes to this shelter where Aunt May was working called Feast. Um, and the spider managed to to scupper off somewhere, and but Miles Morales was there, and he was helping out um, Aunt May. And then the spider, in the same fashion as in the the, the Tobey Maguire version, it the spider comes from the ceiling and lands either on his neck or in his hand and bites him. Um, and then yeah, that, that's how he manages to get his power. And I mean, that, and again, that, that's my understanding as as to how. Uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales got their their abilities. Yeah, and they're well yeah. told stories. That's 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 the beauty part of it. Um, in the comics, in the original nineteen sixties, I mean, this is the sixties. Let, let's remember, a random spider just manages to get into the lab, gets doused by radiation, bites Spider Man, and while dying, it transfers its powers to him. It's that simple. A scientific accident gone wrong, which is much the same origin as Hulk and. The Fantastic Four, that was a thing in the 60s because everyone was terrified of radiation and being bombed and everything yeah. else. So it was just a random spider. But the Ultimate Comics universe tried to make a bit more sense out of it because honestly, if a spider gets doused by radiation and bites you, the spider dies and then probably so do you. That's probably. the reality yeah. of it. 
So yeah. they changed it to a genetically enhanced spider. And then there's that whole mythological thing that he was meant to be bitten by the spider. The radioactivity actually just killed it. It just transferred to its powers to him because he's meant to be the spider protector for this universe. Or the much more realistic version that we get in Ultimate Spider-Man and in the Tobey Maguire movies is that they were playing with spider's DNA. This spider could literally bite people and transfer its energy and life force into that person and they gain spider abilities. So that's the long and short of it. It's down to interpretation. Um, the old 60s origins don't really work anymore, which is why sometimes these characters have to be updated, rebooted for a modern audience. But again, you lose some of the charm, you lose some of the magic. And to any kid, Radioactive Spider, Bitten, cool, wicked. I can yeah. deal with that. But to a more mature audience or immature audience, if you're talking about us three, <laughs> <laughs> then you need a better yeah. explanation. But the long and short of it is, in the original story, random spider in later stories genetically enhanced lots of them so they can bite more people and that's how other spider people come into being that's that's basically weren't too worried about backstory at that point Ah, back in the 60s um they probably didn't know if this character would last five years but spider-man 1962 i believe he was so yeah eight years older than me exactly 1962 and he's still going strong and now there's two of them and they're both awesome and um the origin where it's a scientifically enhanced spider does make a lot more sense that a spider breaks in, gets thousand radiation, bites Spider-Man, dies, and gives him his powers. Yeah. Um, that's comics. Who are we to judge? Exactly. So yes, while we're going uh, through some of the um some of the background, some of the stories, um Spider-Man villains. Now, we talk obviously we talked about Batman last episode. And if you go to the normal person in the street and sort of ask them about Batman's villains, they may be able to roll off a couple. But Spider-Man, I don't think that's as true. A lot of people will probably know about Green Goblin, maybe Mysterio from the latest movie, but that's kind of where it comes to an end. Um, so I was wondering if both of you could talk about maybe what your favourite villains are um, and why and sort of the impact they had on Spider-Man. Um, Dan, do you want to go first on that one? Um... Yeah, a couple of my favourites. Um, I think it's Doctor. Would it be the first thing would be Doctor Octopus? Um, so, from my understandings, um, uh, Peter Parker. I don't know in which version, but he used to, he was a, a lab assistant to, for Doctor Octavius, um, and there was like a sort of a father and son thing going on, um, and then later on, due to like I think it was like an accident with experimentations of the. Uh, mechanical tentacles it kind of like warped Dr. Octavius's perception of the world and and stuff like that so that was a, a pretty interesting thing to 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 witness um another and I, this and it's, and it's hard for me because I don't know if I can class him as a, as a villain or is it because I think he's more of a the anti the anti-villain um or anti-hero, um, but Venom. Um, I, just, I, find, I found that saga between Spider-Man and Venom to, to be really awesome. Because um, I think you, you could say, like, Marvel Spider-Man and Venom is DC's Batman and Bane, probably. Um uh, another another character, probably yeah, probably like uh, Green Goblin because that he was probably one of the most more the more prominent 
villains that Spider-Man has ever come up against. Um, I mean, there's, there's other, there's Rhino, there's, um, and I believe, I think Hobgoblin, because I think there was the Green Goblin and there was the Hobgoblin. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, Dr. Octavius, Venom, and I just said him, Green, Go- Green Goblin. Cool, yeah, I mean, there's a reason, obviously, why Batman's villains are so well-known. We've got to remember that the TV show Spider-Man was made on a budget of, like, 50p. And the only villains he fought in that live-action series was bank robbers and uh, hoodlums and gangsters. He didn't fight any supervillains at all. So, obviously, there wasn't that perception in the public of him having any supervillains because it was the same with the Hulk TV show until the last season or so where they started introducing characters like Daredevil and Thor all he fought was hoodlums and crooks he didn't fight supervillains so for the people coming into these characters via tv and movies they didn't know the villains because they were never shown whereas on the Batman tv show Adam West Batman tv show damn um Joker Penguin Riddler Catwoman Egghead um King Tut tons of them the only one that didn't make it was Two-Face, but they rectified that with a couple of animated movies just before Adam West passed. But the TV Spideys, until the cartoons, you didn't know any of them. And that's the reason why I think to the general public at large, that they aren't known. But for me, the ultimate Spider villains will always be Dr. Octopus, absolutely. Because they're both figures of silence. And Dr. Octopus isn't really, like you said, Danny, he's not really evil. He's just... A bit of an egomaniac. He wants to change the world to fit his image. Science is the most important thing. People are far too emotional. They need to be, you know, put put into line. And he went that way. But uh, again, I think I'm going to do the old Steve blows his buddy's minds bit now. Oh, what? Um, there's a point in history where Spider-Man is brain dead and Otto Octavius' body is destroyed. And Otto Octavius enters Spider-Man's body, and for a period of years, he was Spider-Man. Dr. Octopus was walking around in Peter Parker's body with Peter Parker's powers as the superior Spider-Man. And over the course of that time, he realizes that Spider-Man is a hero. His life isn't that easy. And at the end of the day, he sacrifices his own life to let Peter Parker back into his own body, and he dies a hero for a while. (laughs) Because it's comics. Otto Octavius, for me, is the ultimate Spider-Man villain because he's now seen Peter Parker's life from both sides. He is the perfect enemy. Green Goblin is... um, He's like a cross between Penguin and Joker. He's just like this all-powerful businessman, more money than sense, who, in the quest for power and to be better than Spider-Man, goes nuts develops a goblin guider and, and armor and whatever else and literally just goes off the rails and is, is just a nasty, nasty piece of work. And he's a fantastic villain. And he was portrayed beautifully in the original Tony Maguire film by um, Willem Dafoe. But when he's nice to you, he's Willem Dafoe. But no, I didn't go there. Um, so... <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh um, no. That aspect. But again, oh, like no. Danny said, there's Rhino, there's... Um, Spider-Man has his own scarecrow, but we won't talk about him because he's awful. Um, but so many other things, but the public won't know about them because they haven't really been on TV until, like you said, with the most recent film, now people know about Mysterio, who's always been Adam, my son's favourite Spider-Man villain. 
Because again, I've uh, miseducated him or done parenting done right hashtag um, and introduced him to the characters via the comics. So he knows about Mysterio and he knows about all these other Spidey villains like um, the Jackal and uh, the Rhino and all the others. A Scorpion, another fantastic Spidey baddie that needs to appear in the in the uh, in the movies and TV. Brilliant. Jay Jonah Jameson gets uh, uh, Hoodlum and enhances his body so he becomes an even more deadlier active than a spider, a scorpion. And that's something that needs to be addressed. And I think it will be because of, by the success of the Venom movie, they're looking to make a Secret Six movie with all of Spider-Man's main villains teaming up. But I've always preferred Venom as a villain to Spider-Man. The whole anti-hero Venom and the lethal protector. Well, you know how I feel about lethal protectors. The hero that kills to me isn't a hero, so I never liked that. I preferred it when Flash Thompson... Um, Spidey's old high school bullet um, went off to war, lost his legs, came back a hero, and him and Spidey became best friends in late years, and he took the Venom symbiote on and became Agent Venom and joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he was a truly heroic Venom. He was awesome, but that didn't last. They brought back uh, Eddie Brock, the original Venom, and then there was Carnage, um, Venom Spawn, who was a symbiote, a living costume that took over the body of an insane serial killer and he's a lot more joker-like but with spider-man powers carnage is an amazing spider villain. so that's my explanation as to why and some of my favorite spidey baddies right yeah because as you say for a long time for me spidey was just well it was you know the neighborhood hero but as part of that was he was just dealing with muggers and thugs and bank robbers and you know the the big villains, they just didn't play a part. Um, and that was always my understanding for a long time. A long, long time. Um, and yeah, as you say, because that was all that was shown in the media. Real shame. Exactly, exactly that. Spot. Great question, though. Absolutely. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> um, so we've only got a couple of questions left. Uh, one of them we have, one of the few comic characters that has aged a bit in a similar way to Dick Grayson do you prefer high school Spidey or grown-up Spidey? Um, I think Steve's got his thinking face on. So, Dan, did you want to... Um, I think I prefer high school Spidey over grown-up Spidey. Um, reason I say that, like, so from the Tobey Maguire one, he was a little bit too much too serious. Um... And try to be too much, you know, beware evil do evil do-gooders. I'm gonna get you and all this sort of stuff. Whereas young, like the high school Peter Parker was not only was he good at what he did, which was crime fighting, but he, you know, had all these one-liners, he poked fun at his enemies to, you know, get angry and make these mistakes and ultimately take them down. Um so I, I prefer that a lot because, like I said, you know, he, he was very playful and uh, he had lots of banter and one-liners, but they, you know, evened it out with him having the ability to, um, you know, kick some serious ass. So, yeah, for me, all in all, I think a teenage Spider-Man over grown-up Spider-Man. Who could argue with that? That's... Uh, I, I words straight out of my own mouth and he's like you read my mind you climbed in <laughs> and scooped it out with a spoon um 
Yeah, because for me, as I said, I was uh, before teenage years and during teenage years was when Spider-Man was the greatest to me because I could see this character going through the same kind of crap that I was going through, but still also a part-time job as a wannabe photographer and high school and then university and girls and spots and allergies and sneezing and a lack of self-confidence so great sometimes that it would even take his powers away from him, which is briefly touched on in, in one of the movies, but but not well enough, I think. But Teenage Spidey, for me, I saw myself in him. I could see that because I was going through the same kind of crud in my life at the same time he was, and that made him fascinating. Like I said, that made... Batman was my hero because he was the ultimate goal. He was something to aspire to. But Spidey was me with all my problems and the fact that supervillains were trying to kill him on a daily basis. Um, so the, uh, the grown-up Spidey didn't quite grab me as much until, again, the period just after Dr. Octopus took over his body because what Octopus also did was make Spider-Man, well, make Peter Parker a successful businessman. He owned his own company. He took over um, from uh, Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, and he actually took over the Fantastic Four's old building and, and made himself an entrepreneur. And then he had the other problems to do with, not just being Spider-Man, but also being a successful businessman and juggling both lives. And that made him fascinating to me again because he wasn't just a crime fighter living an okay life fighting for the Daily Bugle. He was someone with issues and problems and the business to juggle and it made him great again and i i love those stories when dan slot for almost a decade was writing spider-man it was brilliant again that's when i came back into the fold but to me yeah teenage spidey bless him he he was like a brother to me even down to the little round glasses when he first started when stan lee and steve co-created him so Teenage Spider-Man Forever, which is why I adore Tom Holland, because, again, he's got all that teenage crap to deal with, as well as the superhero. It's, it's great. Yeah, I love it. I would agree. Um, obviously, my I haven't seen as much of it, but I think Teenage Spidey, he feels like he's doing it because he has to, whereas growing up Spidey is kind of like, yeah, I can do this, so I'm going to. Whereas... You know, teenage Spidey, he's got everything going on, things are happening. It's, he's doing it because he has to, and it kind of feels like it's actually interrupting his life. And he part of him just wants to get on with it. But you can sense the burden of him being a superhero, which he doesn't really want. And it does. It makes him feel more normal, more relatable, especially to the audience, as you say, of the time, the people that they were trying to get in. So, yeah, I would agree. There you go. You got three there in agreement. It's amazing great question yes. really great question just wish i had a gavel now just like all right <laughs> judgment has been passed next ticket on the docket mr 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 speaking of the next ticket on the docket i think you had a question steve which possibly would be better if you did the build-up to it, it was about crossovers with dc marvel again mind-blowingly brilliant question um from tony farina one of our fellow comics emotion pod hosts and again a writer on a couple of the sites i write for including my own site fantastic universes and he wondered why there was a massive intercompany crossover dc versus marvel or marvel versus dc it would alternate between each issue and all the major marvel players went head-to-head -head against the major dc players 
But the brilliant part of it was that the readers decided who would win each battle. So you had Superman versus Hulk. You had Wonder Woman versus Storm from the X-Men. You had Batman versus Captain America. But he was wondering why, oh, why, oh, why did they put Spider-Man against Superboy instead of putting him against someone his own age bracket and someone as well known as him, like Nightwing? And this was a really hard question to answer. So kudos, Tanya. I had to really research, um, talk to people who were reading the comics at the time and obviously reading uh, Spider-Man comics um, as well. But I dug up my own copies of DC versus Marvel and reread those. And it's a great fun story. But then I'd forgotten completely. And sorry, guys, I'm going to blow your minds again. Ugh. At this period in time, Peter Parker wasn't Spider-Man. Spider-Man, the guy under the suit was Ben Riley, who um, was what well, originally because Marvel bent to fandom's will. Originally, Ben Riley was introduced um, to be the replacement permanent Spider-Man because back in the seventies, a villain called the Jackal cloned Gwen Stacy and cloned Peter Parker. And at the end of the story, the clone of Peter Parker seemed dead. And Spidey carried on in his merry way. But the clone came back five years later. And because he found out that Aunt May was dying, he was really ill. And Spider thought, oh my God, geez, you're alive. I mean, what are you doing here? You're just a clone, get lost, go away. And over the course of that story, which became a much maligned, almost hated storyline called the Clone Saga, it was revealed, in fact, that Ben was the original Spidey. And Peter Parker, who'd been Spider-Man for the last five years, but it was more like 15 years in comics time, in real time, real time, was the clone. Uh, but of course, that drove fans nuts. They reworked it. Ben Wiley was the clone. It was all designed to throw Spider-Man off balance. It was a ploy by uh, the Green Goblin to drive Spider-Man insane, blah, blah, blah. But at that period in time, Ben Wiley had taken over as Spider-Man from Peter Parker, who went off to have a family and be a scientist. And that's when the Marvel DC crossover occurred. So it wasn't even Peter Parker or Spider-Man. That's part of the reason. As far as I can make out um, from, I've tried to dig up um, interviews from the era as well. Part of the reason was because it was a new Spider-Man and some audiences were thinking, well, who's this blonde guy? He looks exactly like Peter Parker, but he's Spider-Man in a much cooler suit. What's going on? So they put him against Superboy because A... Superboy and Spider-Man's power levels were much more similar. Remember, Nightwing, like Batman, is a non-powered hero. Superb martial artist, criminologist, great toys and weapons, but not super-powered. They thought, that's not really going to be that verified, even though, like Batman, Nightwing could probably find a way to defeat Spider-Man. It wasn't apt. But apparently, and I found this out chain to some of the guys in the comic book shop, believe it or not, there were also rumors that Nightwing was going to play a much bigger part of the story but um, against Bucky, against the Winter Soldier, which would have made more sense to me because another non-superpowered character, but it's far too similar to Batman versus Captain America. It's the same dynamic. Yeah. It's literally Batman's junior partner against Captain America's junior partner. So it was so much involved to it. So they decided to, no, no, it's a new Spider-Man Superboy's new character, we want to do stuff with. They're of a similar power level. Um, yes, Spider-Man's not a teenager anymore, Superboy is, but it would just make more sense to have those two face off. And again, like you both said last week, a lot of people weren't even aware 
that Robin had grown up to become Nightwing. They just always assumed Dick Grayson, Robin. Again, Robin didn't really have a Marvel counterpart. They were non-powered teenage sidekicks since the 40s, since actually in the comics, Bucky is vastly different to in the movies. Bucky literally was introduced as Batman's kids, as Captain America's kid sidekick in the 40s, as a direct response to Robin becoming Batman's kid sidekick in, in, in Marvel, in DC comics. And in those days, in the 40s, Marvel didn't exist. There was another company called Timely Publications who owned the original Human Torch, who was an android, uh, Prince Namor the Submariner, who was uh, an Atlantean, a, a, a an aqua superhero similar to um, Aquaman and Captain America and again people think oh Stanley created Captain America he had nothing to do with the creation of Captain America he wrote a couple of stories but Captain America was created by Joe Simon and um, Jack Kirby and he had a sidekick because Batman ended up getting a sidekick so when the whole Marvel DC crossover came along new Spider-Man boom it makes more sense let's stick him against Superboy instead and that, as far as I can work out, was why it happened. If it had been Peter Parker, they might have rethought it. They might have put him against Nightwing. But the public perception, so many readers coming in fresh, were already confused by the fact, hey, this Spider-Man isn't Peter Parker. Throwing in Nightwing and, hey, whoa, hang on, Dick Grayson's grown up. So, huh? What? Who? It would just cause too much confusion. So they introduced characters against other known characters. And that's more or less a simple explanation for it there's probably lots of other politics red cape rights and whatever else involved but that's basically what it boiled down to great question brilliant fantastic that comes to the end of our questions time has absolutely flown by wow that was great i don't know if either of you have anything else you wanted to add about spidey that we haven't touched upon um I did have a question from my my lovely lovely wife. Oh yes, I love um, that. Yes, <laughs> um, and I was gonna. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say what her question was, and then I'll tell you how I was gonna try and reword it because it is it, it was kind of strong. But I'll go <laughs> for it anyway. My so my oh, lovely God, wife, she, she's going. She, she wanted to know why Spider-Man was such a whore. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't met Dick Grayson. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and my uh, and I was thinking about this long and hard, um, thinking, you know, if I were to use strong language, and my my version of the question was, why was Spider-Man so promiscuous? Whilst I'm in earshot, <laughs> I know you're recording. That's not the point. Guess this the is point. my lovely question. Fantastic. One. It's a great Thanks. question. But honestly, compared to other comics characters, especially Batman and, and Nightwing, he was just like, let's be honest here. Uh, Spider Man throughout the years, and I'll probably forget a couple Bessie Brandt, Gloria Grant, Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane Watson, uh, Felicia Hardy. They're the five main ones. There's been others which I can't remember for the moment. But from us, from the moment we started dating to we're married, we must have had like six, seven, eight, nine, ten girlfriends as well, right? Not including random hookups. So five or six girlfriends, yeah, over the course of 60 years. Remember, he's been around since 1962. I don't think it's that much of a problem. But yeah. Bruce Wayne, 
um, has basically shagged every supermodel in in the world, um, plus countless uh, characters: Zatanna, uh, Catwoman, Silver Cloud, Julie Madison, Vicky Vale, Vespa um, Fairchild, Chandra Kinsolving, and the list goes on and on and on. That's for Nightwing. Asking the question, who hasn't Nightwing shagged, would be an easier question to answer than who has Nightwing shagged. Um, Batgirl, uh, Wonder Girl, um, countless agents of Spiral, um, every woman in the DC Universe fancies him. In fact, he's the only comics character, I mentioned this on another podcast recently, with, with the most famous Nightwing artist of all time. We interviewed Scott McDaniel a few weeks back on the DC Comics News podcast. Um, Nightwing is the only character in comics whose buttocks are so loved by female readers and female characters in DC Comics that they have names. Dick Grayson's left and right butt cheek are called Jim and Juan, and women talk about them frequently. In fact, Scott McDaniel said that when he drew Nightwing, when he told his family that he was going to be drawing the adventures of Dick Grayson, his family said, oh, yeah, especially the female members, make him sexy. So Peter Parker, bless him. Um, he might have had a few girlfriends, but if anyone's a whore in comics, <laughs> oh, Tony freaking Stark, that's another whore in comics. Um, definitely, you see the way he acts in the movies, that's not far removed from the way he acts in the comics. Yeah, so many. Um, poor old Peter, uh, bless you, Bethany. That's a fantastic question, but he gets a bad rap, bless him. And, and half those girlfriends dumped him anyway because he was so awkward and nerdy. And Aww. Peter, I feel you. Um, whereas Dick Grayson, and oh my god, Dick Grayson is well named. Very, very. Yeah. Um, I'm, so I'm just looking at as you now, and uh, she says she accepts your answer. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way! Oh, I love that. What a question! Brilliant! Brilliant! Brilliant. I mean, look at every Batman movie, different girlfriend in each one. He's like, Bond, come on, dude, put it away. It's the whole Batwang thing again, isn't it? Put it away, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Wang and not Bruce Wayne. Oh, dear. Save me from us, boys, please. <laughs> I, I thought that question would tickle a few ribs. So um, I think, yeah, same the, the uh, best question to last as to why Peter Parker is such a whore um, is a brilliant <laughs> It's a great question. Oh, I love it. Oh, oh Jen, thank Parker. you. Paul, take it home, mate, because I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> brilliant wow thank you everyone for joining us as we end on a high point um the next episode as we mentioned is going to be slightly different we're going to be joined by a special guest um matthew b lloyd news editor and reviewer reviewer for dc comics news he's going to be joining us to talk about archie comics the fly so do get your questions in not sure exactly when we're going to release this episode in relation to the next one but as soon as you hear this question hit as soon as you hear this episode do start getting your questions in we're not going to take suggestions obviously for the next episode but start getting your suggestions in for the episode after about who you would like us to talk about because we want to get as many in as possible remember villains count too they need some love anything really obscure we'll give it a go um dan how can people find you on twitter 
you can find me on Twitter uh, under the handle dark underscore Ronin, uh, spelled R-O-N-I-N 84. So that's dark underscore Ronin 84. And Steve, did you have a reading list for us this episode? I do indeed, yes. Um, obviously, it's not quite as easy with Batman where they literally keep in print all the heroes or the heroes, all the stories of how he became a hero and his origin stories in order but i have picked some of the best spidey stories of all time of all time and we, we've touched upon some of them tonight um there's a brilliant story by uh, jeff Loeb and tim sale who also did the long halloween and dark victory for batman called spider-man blue and it's a retelling of the life and death of Gwen Stacy. And it's absolutely fantastic. Highly recommended reading. Uh, my favourite Spider-Man story of all time, Craven's Last Hunt, um, where a Spider-Man villain decides that he's had enough. He's not going to play with Spider-Man anymore. He's going to kill him and prove he is Spider-Man superior once and for all. One of the greatest Spider-Man stories in both in terms of both writing and art. Pick that book up. I guarantee you will love it. It's a masterpiece. Of course, we talked about Miles Morales. So do pick up A, the Ultimate Spider-Man stories starring Peter Parker, first of all, so you can lead into the Miles Morales one. And that starts with a book called Power and Responsibility, collecting the first six issues of uh, Brian Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man, where Peter Parker's still Spidey. And of course, then if you want to go straight into Miles Morales, it's prelude to the death of Spider-Man and Death of Spider-Man, so you can learn about Miles as well. But I do want to say that um, there was a question we slightly touched on this week about who really created Spider-Man. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, it's always been Stanley and Steve Ditko. Um, Jack Kirby got off of the role, but he drew a far too heroic, far too square-jawed, far too strong and muscular Spider-Man. So Steve Ditko drew him quickly and as a teenager, and that's the one they went with. But apparently there's been a lot of controversy that Spider-Man's powers and everything else were aped or copied or possibly just a tribute to the old Archie Comics character, The Fly, which is why we're doing that special episode next week to tie in with this one, even though I never heard of The Fly, Archie Comics never really made it over here to the UK, but Matt Lloyd is one of these guys, you guys said to me, I know more than anyone you know, on that side of things, Marvel, DC, yeah, I'm fairly knowledgeable, with Batman, more than fairly knowledgeable, but uh, independent comics, Archie Comics, and stuff from before the Golden Age, comics that were before superheroes, Matt Lloyd, I tell you, he knows so much, and he's the top, top bloke you're going to love talking to next week. So, yeah, if you know The Fly or have any questions about The Fly, send them, but don't worry, Matt's going to entertain and educate us. I'm going to be the dummy in next week's episode, just as much as you two, and I'm fascinated to hear it. But, yeah, my work, just do a Google search for Steve J. Ray. Um, the first 10 things that come up will be links to my writing across DC Comics News and Dark Knight News, or just Google search Fantastic Universes for my own website, which covers every universe and music and wrestling and horror and everything else in between um please talk to us i've loved the response we had to episode one on twitter please reach out to us send us questions make jokes talk to us ask our opinions tell us what we're doing wrong what we're doing right follow and subscribe to this show because it means the world to us and keep giving us your feedback love you all and you can catch the show on everything, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, you name it. Wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there haunting your nightmares. Holy oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Where can we find you, Mr. McGregor? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Paul DeMac. That's P-A-U-L. 
D-A-M-A-C. And I look forward to all your responses, all your questions. Thank you so much for joining us. We are Superheroes for Dummies. We are produced by Stephen Adam Ray, edited and mixed by Adam Ray. Music is from Professor Elemental, and we are a proud member of Comics in Nation. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. And remember, no question too big or too small. You might come into this show feeling like you're a dummy, but at the end of it all, you're going to lead a superhero. Good night. See you next time. Good night, folks. But we can't start without some theme music. Building a robot entirely from old trumpets. Every hero needs theme music, and this is mine. Finest beat I could find, renewed spirit and mind. Spitfire to find a missing friend of mine. Dip dive till I arrive at the end of time. This is music for black holes and alternative futures. This is music to play through your onboard computer. A song to play in Batmobiles or a man of steel's iPod. Billy Bats and Magic Words or Marvel Man. My God! Fire up your targets, the game's afoot. Underpants over tights is now a good look. I begin expeditions, no end to my mission. There's been monkey business and my friend is missing. So listen all scallywags, vagabonds, villains. Beware because it's on, this is just the beginning. No cape, just a time belt with vivid shine. Every hero needs theme music and this is mine. Ha! Fire up the Maxwell-O-Matic Scratch 3000. I want to begin this mission in style. I was